What's up everyone? Welcome to the Bible Study Corner. My name is Isaiah and today we're going to be continuing our Bible study on the life of King David. Now the last time we met, we were talking about how David had become a most wanted man in the most negative of ways for doing absolutely nothing wrong. King Saul had finally started to see how God had left him and was with David and those tormenting spirits started to bother him and the two combined together meant no good for David. And this is what God was allowing to happen to David to not just help push him into his destiny, but to also form him into the the, the leader and the and the king that he's going to be. And remember also the last time we left off on the life of King David, we talked about how when that when your enemies and your worst of enemies start to see the hand of God on your life, they just look at you and you become the main target for them. You become like target practice for them. They, they're going to do everything they can to get you down all because they see something on you that they don't like, but they don't realize that that something is not a thing. It's a, it's a someone. They see the hand of God on your life. They just don't realize it and they don't like that. So they're going to come at you with everything they have. But remember how we talked about the Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't have to be worried about anything that anyone's trying to do to me because I'm still in the hands of God. So today we're going to finish off where we left off at and we're going to see where David is right now in this point of his life. Now in verses 18 to 24 in chapter 19 of 1 Samuel, we see that David had ran off to the land of Ramah after King Saul had started a big old manhood for one man who's completely innocent. And when he gets to the land of Ramah, he meets up with the prophet Samuel. And for those who haven't been following this, the prophet Samuel is somebody that God used to ordain David as the next king after Saul is gone. And when David meets up with Samuel, he tells him everything that Saul had did to him when he was under his uh, when he was under his services. So Samuel took in David so that way no one could kill him. But Saul had found out that Samuel had took David in at his own home in Ramah. So he sent two groups of troops to go get him. And the first uh, group of troops that went to go get David had basically caught the Holy Spirit. And they all started prophesying and speaking in tongues. And then the second group, the same thing happened to them as well. So Saul was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to go do this myself. So he went on his way to go, di to go get uh, David. And he ended up feeling the power of the Holy Spirit. And he started prophesying and speaking in tongues. And the Bible says they didn't stop there. He started tearing off his clothes and he laid there butt naked in the street. Now, what I want everyone to get from those few verses is this. Even though the enemy may throw all these threats at you and say all this, unless the, unless the Lord allows these things to happen to you, he will not allow any harm to come nigh thy dwelling. And what that means is he won't allow any hurt, harm, or danger to come anywhere near you. And the reason why God had allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to fall down upon them was because he was making sure that nobody was going to lay their hands on David. He was making sure that nobody was going to do any harm to David. And this, is, was, this was his way of protecting David in this trying time he was in. And this is why I always say, as long as I'm in the hands of the Almighty, I'm going to be okay. Because what he allows to happen is to basically help me grow as a person. I don't have to worry about what anybody else is saying to me. I don't have to worry about somebody telling me, oh, I'm going to make you lose your job or somebody sending me death threats or something, you know, something crazy that people may try to do to you. You don't have to worry about people because the God that you serve is greater than your greatest of enemies. 
Now in chapter 20 of 1 Samuel, verses 1 to 3, we see that David had escaped to the land of Naoth, which is a small town in the land of Ramah, and he meets up with the son with the son of uh, King Saul, who is also his best friend, Jonathan. And he exclaims to him, why is your daddy trying to kill me? I didn't do anything wrong to him, bro. And he's responding to him like Jonathan now. He's responding to him, I don't know what you're talking about. My daddy tells me anything and everything. And he wouldn't try to kill an innocent man for no good reason. In other words, he's having a hard time believing that king saul is trying to kill an innocent man and that somebody's willing to go that low so in verse four we see that jonathan begs david like hey man please tell me what i can do that's going to help you out in this current situation so david comes together with the plan for the because there's going to be a party the next day he comes together with a plan to to see whether the king is really trying to trying to kill him or not. If he's not, then that's great. But if he is, then it's gonna prove to Jonathan that his daddy really is trying to kill him. So David tells Jonathan, here's what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna be at the party tomorrow. And when your dad asks you, where am I at? Tell him that I asked for permission from you to go back to my hometown for the party instead. And that you gave me the permission that I need to go off to my hometown. And if he says fine, then okay, cool. I know everything's all right. I'll be fine. There's nothing to worry about. I'm probably being dramatic. So then David's like, please do this for me as my sworn brother or otherwise kill me yourself right here and right now if I have sinned against your father. And then Jonathan's like, of course not. I would never do that, man. And then David's like, okay, then please, I'm begging you, don't betray me to your father. Fast forward all the way to verses 28 to 33. We see that their plan between Jonathan and David now finally comes into action. And Saul asks Jonathan, where is David? Why isn't he here? Why isn't he, uh, why isn't he in his spot? And Jonathan replies to him like they talked about, like they rehearsed. He asked for permission to go back to his hometown. I gave him permission. I said it was all right. Now, during all this, David's hid out in the fields. He's not really in his hometown. He's hid out in the field during the whole, uh, during the whole festival. And when Jonathan told Saul this, this absolutely made him live. And I mean mad beyond absolute, absolute belief. So his own daddy now starts talking to him like he's a dog. I mean, calling him this. I believe the scripture even says that he called his mother a whore. And this discouraged Jonathan because... He bluntly, King Saul bluntly comes out and says, now have your friend brought here right now so I can have him killed. And this discourages him because he finally sees for himself that his daddy is trying to kill an innocent man. Not only that, but Saul had gotten so upset with Jonathan that he picked up his spear and threw it at his own son intending to kill him. Saul had gotten so upset and blinded by his own rage, his own jealousy, by everything that's going on, his own uh, hidden agendas, that he almost killed his own son in the process of all this, all because he's so blinded by everything going on in his head. And sadly, sometimes that represents us, man. I mean, sometimes we can get so blinded by our own rage, our own unforgiveness, you know, our own hidden agendas that we completely lose sight of who we are and whose we are, amen? So don't allow your rage, don't allow your unforgiveness to blind you from acting like a child of God. Because if it's something that somebody has done to you, God will take care of it. But don't allow your, don't allow 
your your inner emotion that caused you to act so you know so so like you're not a child of God. But in Saul's situation, it's a lot different. He disobeyed multiple times. He's went up against God's word multiple times. He's he's, he's disobeyed the prophets that God has sent to him. He even tried to have a man killed that who he knew was ordained to be the next king. Now fast forward to verses uh, 35 to 42. We see that Jonathan, you know, the next day, Jonathan and some young boy that's with him, they're shooting arrows. And one of the signals that they have for uh, Jonathan to let David know that everything's okay or not okay is pretty much him telling the young boy that's with him you know that's enough bring all the uh, arrows back or go out further and get all uh, you miss one this one further out and that signal or Jonathan telling the little boy to go out further is a signal to David that hey everything's not okay there's a problem sadly Jonathan tells the young boy that's picking up his arrows as he shoots him out to hey go out and get the, the you miss one go out and get that one go out a little bit further and the reason why he tells the little boy that is not because there's an arrow that far out, but to let David know who's hidden in the field that, hey, we have a problem. He is trying to kill you. I was wrong. So they meet up for one last time. You know, they love up on each other, man. I, I'm going to miss you. I love you so much. Don't forget our pack. And the pack, one one of the things that they uh, that they vowed to hold over or uh, to hold on to each other was that, that if Jonathan dies, that when David becomes king, that he will treat his family and his descendants with love and kindness. So as they're leaving each other, they begin weeping and sobbing and all this other stuff because they're not going to ever see each other again. And this is going to be the last time that David sees Jonathan because after this, I believe that uh, when the fall of King Saul comes, there's going to be a, a big old battle between him and some rival nations and Jonathan's going to die in the process. And it's a really sad scene in my opinion because, you know, we have two people that genuinely love one another. They care about each other. They're willing to go this far out to look out for each other in that now they can't even see each other anymore because their father is so against the man that had done nothing wrong to him. So there's three things that I really want to hit on this and it talk, it all surrounds friendship all around about the kind of people God wants you to have in your circle. And the first thing is find a friend who genuinely cares about you. Don't keep around people that don't care nothing about you because this it's just What's the point in you being around, like I talked about in the last Bible study, and your action shows whether you care about me or not. If you're constantly talking all this junk, saying I'm this, saying I'm that, saying I ain't about worth nothing, but yet I'm still keeping you as a friend or even having a relationship with you, what's the point in you being around, man? You need to balance, homie, because there's no need of me keeping some around, someone around that's constantly tearing me down, and not tearing me down for the good, but tearing me down just because they think it's funny, and that's not cool. Next, you need to find a friend who's willing to encourage you when you need it, because that it ties into that that uh, the last one that we just talked about, that genuinely cares about you. If they care about you, then they're willing to encourage you. David and Jonathan, they always, you know, they, they cared about each other so much that Jonathan encouraged David to, you know, don't stop now. You know, you're, you're so close. You're going to be king, but if you give up now, 
what's the point in you going through all this? With my wife, Martina, if she's doing something that I see is going to do, that's going to be in up in uplifting encouragement to her in her life, then I'm going to encourage her to do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to discourage her every chance I get. I'm going to encourage her because if you love someone, if you genuinely love someone and you genuinely care about someone, you will encourage that person. So not only find a friend that's encouraging, be that friend or be that husband or be that boyfriend or girlfriend or wife that's encouraging your spouse. Don't just always knock them down every chance you get. Be that encouragement. It's not, it works both ways. You can't look for friends that genuinely care about you and you're not being that friend that genuinely cares about them or you're not being that husband or wife or that boyfriend or that girlfriend that's not genuinely acting like they care about them. And if you care about them, you encourage them. And not only that, keep in mind, you'll want them to encourage you as well because this is the kind of friendship and the kind of circle that God wants you to have. And lastly, find a friend who also believes in your calling as much as you do. I believe if you're alive today and you you, you still have breath in your body, you're still alive and you're kicking, you have a calling on your life. You're called to do something. It doesn't matter what it is, you're called to do it. And because we all have a calling on our life, we all need to keep friends in our circles who genuinely believes in that calling with us and they see that it's God and they're not going to push you away from it. They're going to push you towards it like, hey man, I know you're saying this right now, but this is what God has called you to do and I know God is going to help you out in this, but you can't give up now. And that's what we see with Jonathan and David. He believed in his calling just as strongly as David believed in his calling. Because what it's doing is giving you godly counsel to not only hold on to what God has promised you, but to also remember what God has promised you as well. So when you start to get discouraged, you have that support to keep pushing you to do so. And not only that, let's also add in one more. Be that godly encouragement. Be that person to encourage someone to, call, to follow their calling. Don't just expect everyone to believe in your calling as well. Be that one person to encourage your, your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or, or, or your friend to aim to to keep following what they're called to do even if it seems crazy at the time or if it seems like it doesn't have anywhere going follow god's lead on it of course and use your discernment that the holy spirit gives you but if the holy spirit is telling you and you know for a fact that this is what this person is called to do be that encouragement you know push them to keep doing it push them to don't give up on this calling. God's going to use you greatly in this. You know, be that encouragement and also keep that encouragement in your circle. So that's the end of our Bible study. I appreciate you all joining in with it. But there's one more thing I want to cover before we officially end this. And that's if you're listening to this entire message and you don't know who the Lord Jesus Christ is, of course, this is not going to make any kind of sense to you whatsoever. So right now, if you're listening to it, I highly encourage you to ask the Lord Jesus to come into your life. There's no, tomorrow's not promised to nobody. Amen. So do it. Why not do it right now while you have the while you have the chance and you have breath in your body? And once you do accept him into your life, then God can start showing you what you were called to do and it will blow your mind. Trust me, I know this. I've done it. I live by it. Amen. So if you don't know who the Lord Jesus Christ is, just simply ask, Lord, I've messed up. I've done wrong. Please forgive me. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Guide me, direct me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit and be my Savior. And he'll, and he'll be more than happy to do so. Amen.
But that's the end of our Bible study. Again, I thank you all for joining us. Stay tuned for the rest of our Bible studies on the life of King David. And also follow us on Instagram at Bible study underscore corner. And also uh, follow us on Facebook as well at the Bible study corner. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel, our YouTube channel at the Bible study corner as well. Amen. Well, I thank you all for joining us. You all have a blessed week.